morning. It's February 21st. It's a cloudier and slightly warmer morning in New York. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. The lead story in this morning's New York Times is U.S. stands alone in rejecting call for Gaza truce, reporting on yesterday's decision by the United States to single-handedly block a United Nations Security Council resolution calling for a ceasefire. The Biden administration's excuse is that hostage negotiations are underway and the ongoing slaughter of people in Gaza is an important bargaining chip to hold against Hamas. Setting aside the perverse logic under which it's necessary to keep on killing hundreds and hundreds of innocent people, including however many of the hostages the IDF is dropping bombs on or shooting, to secure the lives of the much smaller number of remaining hostages. There's also the objective fact that for four months, this approach hasn't worked, yielding only one temporary and partial hostage release deal. So the idea that a ceasefire would breed even more intransigence doesn't really make a lot of sense. At this rate, the Netanyahu government will simply run out of places in Gaza to drop bombs on, and then where will this vaunted negotiating leverage come from? On the left-hand side of page one, is the Supreme Court's choice to decline to meddle in the admissions policies of Thomas Jefferson High School in Virginia, as the majority of the justices aim to keep it ambiguous how thoroughly their decision striking down affirmative action affects other diversity policies. Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas dissented on the grounds that they personally want very much to be seen striking down diversity policies. Alito was feeling particularly spicy yesterday. An inside story notes that he also, while agreeing that the court should not be taking up a case where potential jurors with anti-gay religious beliefs were dismissed from an employment discrimination case brought by a lesbian plaintiff, put out a statement emphasizing that nine years after Obergefell v. Hodges secured the right to gay marriage, he still resents that decision and would overturn it if he could, saying the Times writes that people who oppose homosexuality risk being unfairly labeled as bigots and treated as such. And the story notes the uncomfortable and largely overlooked fact that only two members of the court who ruled in favor of Obergefell remain on the bench, Justices Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan. The court has since transformed under the presidency of Donald J. Trump with the addition of three conservative justices who have solidified a conservative supermajority. That's not saying that the Supreme Court would throw out the right to same-sex marriage, but it's certainly difficult to name five justices who would vote to keep it if it ever came to that. More likely, instead, they'll just continue to chip away at the public recognition of gay marriage by granting more and more bigots the right to refuse service to gay people in the name of their so-called religious consciences. Because not everyone is willing to be as rude about it as Alito is. Yesterday's front-page story about Yulia Navalnyaya reluctantly assuming the mantle of an opposition leader in Russia upon the prison death of her husband, Alexei Navalny, is followed today by a front-page story about Yulia Navalnyaya reluctantly assuming the mantle of an opposition leader in Russia upon the prison death of her husband, Alexei Navalny. In other Navalny news, the website formerly known as Twitter suspended and then unsuspended Navalnyaya's newly launched social media account, and Donald Trump commemorated Navalny's death by comparing himself to Navalny. That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And if all goes well, we will talk again tomorrow.